Hello everybody and welcome back to Goldbridge Saves Football, the podcast that's hit the ground running quicker than Steven Gerrard on a treadmill. It's been absolutely fantastic, the reaction that we've had to the show in its very first week, straight in to the top four, not just in sport, but in UK podcasts altogether. We will, of course, be dissecting football and saving football in only the way we can with your help. And as always, I'm joined by my friend and co-host, Will Brazier, who's smiling because Birmingham won and that's the only mention you're going to get. Uh, well, it's nice to be upgraded to friend as well, which is a category that I didn't know I'd be pursuing today. But uh, yeah, well, absolutely fantastic start to the podcast. Blues three points, Villa lost, Bellingham scored. Probably the best weekend I'll ever have. Exactly. And uh, just uh, if you've been on the community tab on our That's Football YouTube cha- uh, page, you'll have seen some things that we've asked you for about your thoughts on the big topics this week. Uh, we've seen some really good stuff. Lots of people moaning about Chelsea and their nine-year contracts. Some people moaning about people who leave early. Uh, lots of other bits that we're going to get into as well in relation to VAR coming up again. And also we had a bit of fun. Uh, we had a bit of fun as well. And uh, before we get into the topical stuff about what happened this week, we're going to compare Liverpool and Chelsea. We're going to talk about underrated, overrated transfers of the season we've got our little quiz at the end as well but uh, one little bit of fun I had Will was uh, book titles that will never be written uh, i.e. Speed by Harry Maguire yeah nice start from you good start Uh, you had a few more as well didn't you I did Total Football by uh, Sam Allardyce yeah lovely that that's a good one and uh, we will read out some of others in a moment but uh, how about this one as well Uh, The Art of Finishing by Kay Havertz yeah, real nice. That's, that's a fantastic start from you. I think I, uh, what about, was Faithful by John Terry one? That's a good one. And uh, a bit topical, Calm and Collected by Roy Hodgson. Don't know whether you saw him going off on one this weekend. It's not the first time. He's used the C word before, and I'm not talking, you know, rhymes with hunt. Um, he's used that before. And uh, basically against Sheffield United, there was a bit of a set to on the touchline uh, when a Sheffield United player tried to get the ball from him. All I'd say is, don't invite him to a barbecue if you're not doing sausages. He will lose his shit. Um, but uh, there we go. We've got a few from you as well, just before we get into a topical. Um, a bit bit, bit similar. Tran- Tranquility and Inner Peace by Duncan Ferguson. That came in from Andon. Uh, Feet Firmly on the Ground by Stephen Gerrard. That's came in from Shads. There, there was a Ryan Giggs one, which we're not going to read out. And uh, Fitness Tips for Beginners, Anthony Martial. And uh, that's from Timo. And uh, The Art of Clean and Respectful Football by Pepe. A um, little bit boring, but uh, there we go. Um, that's Heightist. We won't be reading that. Um, How to Live on a Budget by Pep Guardiola. That's good. That's good. Uh, anyway, we'll have more of those, I'm sure, next week. I quite like those. Um, I've done it before on the YouTube channel, and it's good for good, good, good fun. But uh, let's get into the first topic, Will. What are we talking about today? We, I feel we've gone full radio mode there in that start with. I'm just, uh, just looking for the jingle to come in. But we're starting with either or, so... Mark, obviously you're the definitive voice here in our universe. Big topic coming out of the weekend. You chatted about it a little bit with Ben Foster, but who was going to finish higher? Chelsea or Liverpool? We've had the match at the weekend. 1-1, didn't really solve much. The transfer dealings is another off-the-pitch battle. So where are you putting your money? Chelsea or Liverpool to finish higher? Well, we know who's going to win the battle for Casido, and that's Chelsea. Um, I, I think that look, the Premier League in general, um, I, I was quite impressed with Will. I thought it was a good start. And I think that uh, the Liverpool-Chelsea game was the pick for me. It was interesting. I heard a few Chelsea and Liverpool fans saying it wasn't a great game. I think for the neutral, I absolutely loved it. I don't know about you. 
Yeah, I mean, it started off in... Uh, the, when Liverpool had that second goal disallowed and there was a moment where you thought it was going to be allowed, I thought they could run away with it because they were just exploiting Chelsea's defence uh, yeah, quite remarkably. And you mentioned about De Sarsi as well and he, he didn't start off the bat. Obviously, got his goal eventually. But yeah, it was a good game. It was full throttle. And I think the, the main one to come from that is the spot where both teams are looking in that sort of defensive mid area was sort of both needed for, uh, for both teams. I think the top four race or what will probably be the top five race is going to be absolutely fascinating. A lot of people wrote Newcastle off. They destroyed Aston Villa, which Will will be very happy about, fan of Birmingham, of course. Absolutely unbelievable. Absolutely unbelievable. And uh, Brighton started off very, very well as well. Um, Arsenal got their win. I think they're going to be in the top four with Manchester City. And then Chelsea and Liverpool, who ultimately, uh, after bad seasons last year, are trying to get back in amongst it. And I suppose starting off with Chelsea, Will, um, I, I, I didn't put them in the top four, but the, 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 the money, and I know we're going to touch on Chelsea as uh, one of the gripes that many of our, our viewers and listeners, more importantly, on a podcast, not viewers, how are you watching it? amazing that they are um, talking about the, the Chelsea nine-year contracts we'll talk on, touch on that in a minute but first of all just talk about Chelsea I think you have to put them into the top four now based on the fact that the money they've spent and I, I at this point I can't I've lost count I, I don't know I think it's um, must be in excess of six seven eight hundred million in 12 months Pochettino's a good manager he's a master of top four I think you've You've got to expect top four if you're Chelsea now because no European football as well. I think they've got to be expecting top four this year. I know patience and I spoke about that, but I think they've got to be getting top four. Well, I'm quite a privileged position where nobody cares about my Premier League predictions, but I really did think Chelsea would get in the top four just because of the fact that they didn't have European football because that schedule is just it's sorted from now, really, isn't it? Like Obviously, Carabao Cup and FA Cup fixtures depending but you know your season at the start of the season where the big thing for cities, Liverpool's, maybe Manchester United's is when it gets into that March and April time, the fixture list just gets overloaded, whereas Chelsea are building a big squad. They've got a great manager, like you said, and it's just a, it's just a clear run and they're only going to build on what they started with against Liverpool. So, And a, not a blank checkbook, but it feels like it a little bit of the time as well. Very good point there by Will. In fact, you've just made me think of another book title. Talking sense, talking sense by Gabby Bonglahor. Nice. That's, that's nice. that. That is good. That's it. That's very. He'll good. be on the podcast soon, won't he? Uh, hopefully. Yep. 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 Absolutely. Um, um, yeah. Okay. So yeah. Look, and, and Liverpool as well. Uh, I think that Liverpool looked very good for half an hour, but they've got to solve that midfield situation. So as of now, uh, in our first topic of either or, who will finish top four? That rhymed. I'm going to go with. I think uh, what it's who's going to finish higher I suppose Liverpool or Chelsea at the moment I think you would have to say I'm going to stick with Liverpool but logically that's only because I'm stubborn I think Chelsea are almost there in relation to giving Pochettino a squad to get top four whereas I think there's a massive hole in Liverpool's midfield so I, I, I haven't got a problem Will if you're going to go with Chelsea on this but I'm going to stubbornly going to stick with Liverpool I think well, I am going to go for Chelsea, but you, you have recently just done a video as well that said they need to get top four now as well. Yeah, they do. So um, somebody's going to miss out. Um, we'll we'll dissect. Gonna, oh, well, that's the big... Do you want to push that further down the road? We'll push it further down I mean, the well, road. Yeah, all right. You go. I, I'm, I do think Chelsea will get in the top four just because of strength of squad. And then if they need someone, they'll go and get someone. But we did speak still 
about a lack of natural number nine as well. Yeah, well, I got a lot of stick back from Chelsea fans about this because they were like, did you not watch the game yesterday? And I was like, well, 23,000 people watched it with me on that football YouTube channel if we want to get uh, pedantic about it. And that's just concurrent views. And that's just concurrent views. It'll be into the hundreds of thousands now. But uh, on a serious note, I did watch the game and I felt that Jackson, who was in my fancy Premier League team, Chelsea fans were trying to tell me they've solved their striking problems with Jackson based on yesterday. He looks decent, but did he put the ball in the onion bag? No, he didn't. And uh, I think that is always going to be the judgment of a good striker for me. And uh, I just, I've always said, I don't know why Chelsea, if you're going to spend hundreds and hundreds of millions of pounds, the first thing you do is go and spend the biggest amount of money in a complete world-class striker. And at the moment, I don't think they've got that. They've still got Lukaku, so... He could, yeah, the, the, there's got to be a book for Lukaku that will never get written. I think Magic Touch by, yeah, by, thinking, yeah, by Lukaku. Touch. Magnet. Yeah. Magnet. Magnetic. I would, speaking of books and stories, though, I mean, what a sort of U-turn that could be if he managed to turn his career around at Chelsea and became the man that some people always thought he could be. Exactly, exactly. Um, let's, uh, oh, this is a good one. Uh, book title from NGC. When Teammates Collide by Joey Barton. Could yeah. be, could be, I mean, Lee, probably a few. Could be Lee Bowyer and Kieran Dyer for that as well. A bit, bit, bit old for people there, but I'm loving these book titles. So, have you got any for any more either ors for me? Uh, as 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 with this is the section. Yeah, I was going to do a few quick fire ones, but you know, if you want to take your time, you take your time. You do what you want to do. It's your channel. It's your podcast. Uh, you're saving football. So we've got who will finish higher out of Spurs and Villa. Obviously, Mick starts the seasons. Mick sort of predictions going into the season. I don't think even including me and my. You know, even in my best days, I didn't see Newcastle thumping Villa 5-1, Wendy out, Mings out. And on the other side of it, Tottenham having quite a positive performance, even though they only got one point. Yeah, well, this is what you call flip-flop football, isn't it? Uh, flip-flop opinion, because uh, last week it was Newcastle and Villa who's going to finish higher. And uh, Newcastle gave those uh, Villa boys one hell of a beating. And now it's like Spurs... Uh, or Villa uh, I was impressed with Spurs at the weekend but we'll talk about Spurs and you know uh, opening game of the weekend we have a saying in the United fan base it's called pre-season Perlo. so um, we have players who in pre-season look very very good and then in the season starts and it all falls apart so uh, I think it's too early with Spurs got a big test against United on Saturday I still think Villa will, Villa will turn it around. The injury to Mings was bad, but they have got other centre-backs like Torres and I think it's that Carlos guy that got injured last year. I think Villa will still be very good and I think Villa will finish above Spurs. That's my stance on that. Although, Will, I'm sure you'd love that not to happen. Yeah, I mean, I'm not going to give my opinion on that because it's uh, probably already known. Uh, one I've got here is, has Neymar wasted his career? Yes or no? Oh, this is massive. Yes, in a sense, and no, in another. Um, I'm not sitting on the fence, and that rhymes with sense. I'm going to say that uh, Neymar is, without question, going to Saudi Arabia too early. Um, it's the football way at the moment. It's all about the money. We've seen Chelsea and we've seen Saudi Arabia spending a lot of money. Mitrovic wants to leave the most competitive league in the world to go and play in Saudi Arabia and earn life-changing money. I mean, life-changing money for Mitrovic, as if 30, 40 grand a week isn't enough. But yeah, I think with Neymar, it's he just strikes me as that sort of player. And look, you can't be stereotypical of players from different areas of the world, but Brazilians do come over 
South Americans do come over to Europe because that's where the money is and that's where the comp competitive element is. Um, we've seen Oscar and was it Ramirez go from Chelsea in their mid-20s to China when that, that happened. So it's not unusual to see um, players going to places to earn money, um, especially not South American players, because they're literally doing that coming to the European stage. So you can't moan at them when they go to Saudi Arabia. I just think with Neymar, he had the talent to be one of the great players. When he retires, he will not be mentioned anywhere near the same sentence as Ronaldinho, um, who, you know, was was nowhere near for me in the same sentence as R9. So, yeah, I think Neymar has wasted his talent, but not in a way of I'm taking a dig at him, Will, but because I think he genuinely had the talent. I think the Barcelona P PSG move was the one where it started to go wrong, if I'm being honest. Yeah, I was thinking exactly the same because... PSG came in with this brand new project and obviously it was attractive at the time but still not being completed the Champions League still not been won by PSG he's not done it gets injured every season seems to be around his sister's birthday every time and just never seems to crack on so I, and with this move it just feels like he's doing exactly the same but even further down the scale uh, next one from me Mark where would Lavia be better off Chelsea or Liverpool as of recording he's still at Southampton um yeah, he will definitely be somewhere by the time we do this, so I won't dwell on it too long. It just reminds me of a book that will never get written again. My love, I've got it. Liverpool, what a great city by Moises Casido. That's a good one. Wow. You, you've got to say, you've got to say it. Um, Lavia, um, I love book. I, 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 people are probably listening at home going, well, I wish he'd stop doing these book titles that will never get written. But to me, it's just, it's a running theme and I'm really enjoying it. Um, I'm a bit of a big head, really, actually. I was, uh, we recorded this podcast last week and on the way home, I was listening to it, laughing my head off, laughing my head off, really? driving down the M6, mainly at my bits, Will, although I did, I, was I, say, yeah. I did slightly, there was a slight mouth lift when uh, you, 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 you did a couple of good jokes, but, uh, it's like getting your dad's approval when you laugh. That's all, that's all I'm after. Just one or two little smirks and I've done my job. Exactly. Uh, Lavia, where, where would he be better off going to? Certainly Liverpool, because there's that massive hole there. You're going to play every week. And I, I think Liverpool are, are a very good team missing a holding midfielder. I think Casido should have gone to there as well. But on the other hand, go to Chelsea, play with Enzo Fernandez, Moises Casido as a young player. It, you know, you've got two absolute... Uh, ballers there that you can learn off. So I, I think it's a tough one, but I, I think Liverpool surely is... It might be too big for him, actually, because he's quite young, isn't he? So maybe maybe the protection of Enzo and Casido at Chelsea might be better for his development, but I certainly think Liverpool need a, need a player like that. Um, it's interesting how they've gone up in value, isn't it? Because they spent all summer trying to get him for 45, 40, and now they're offering 60. It's just mad what's happening in this window. Yeah, every day seems a crazy day. We'll just pick you up there. Obviously, you did say the word ballers as a man of your age. Just got to be careful on that, but I will be doing the admin as the podcast goes on. Uh, next one. Will Haaland beat his goal-scoring record from last season? I've, I've been asked this before, so I'll be very, very quickly on this. I can't remember where it might have been with on, on the filling with Ben. Um, I said yes. Um, I, I just think that there's just... I mean, them goals he scored against Burnley, uh, there's... If, if he stay, he's got to stay fit. I, I say this with anybody, he's got to stay fit. But if he can stay fit, he can score. He's the best. You know what, actually? I was doing a show on Friday night, and I, and I don't know what everyone at home thinks about this. I basically said he's the, he is now the best penalty box striker in the world. Someone got in the chat straight away and said, that's insulting. There's more to his game than that. And I was like, 
Do you realise how big the penalty box is? It's pretty big. <laughs> and the only thing that you're not going to do in the penalty box is score some absolute, you know, like Saka did at the weekend. I think being, I think if you asked any player in the world of any age, do you want to be, would you be insulted if you got called the best penalty box striker in the world? Uh, absolutely incredible player. And I think that there's no reason why he won't. I think he'll definitely go over 30. So he's going to be close. So yes, I think he will break his record again. And then just finally, I've actually got a book title for this this man as well. It's uh, Will Harry Kane still break the Premier League goal scoring record? So can he come back, beat Shearer's record? And you could say great title for him would be one club man. Yeah, um, it's forty something goals, isn't it? Will forty three goals or something like yeah. that? He's got to come yeah, back yeah. and score. I thought it was a lot more than that. I mean, realistically, if he comes back, he's only just thirty. If he comes back at thirty three and plays for three years, he'll get forty three goals in three years. And I think that is the plan. What I've loved is is what we mentioned last week, and it's been a growing theme, is that why are we obsessed with the Premier League goal-scoring record, and yet yeah. United have won the title 20 times, Liverpool have won it loads of times, that's all counted, but we're obsessed with Alan Shearer's Premier League goal-scoring record, when really there's a lot of players that have got a better record, like Jimmy Greaves. And I'm not bitter because Alan Shearer's doing a podcast as well. It's also because... Um, I just think it's like the rebranding of Marathon to Snickers. It's the same thing. Jimmy Greaves is the top scorer and Harry Kane's never going to break that. Over. Yeah. Oh, I just think. Oh, that's a book. Cool. That's a book will never get written. All time goal scorer by Alan Shearer. Wow. That's a big title to be promoting already. Also, the way people talk about him going to Germany is that oh, he's only going to win the Bundesliga. He might only win a Champions League. I mean, these are absolutely massive trophies. So, unfortunately, I have to agree with you there. Finally, they're all from me. Who do you think will have more points in fantasy this season, me or you? What have you started off with? Uh, I'm, 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 I'm 57. Well, sound, yeah, game season, though. So, Your only hope is that I don't take it seriously, basically. So. Well, I saw your team, so I think I'll go with myself on that one. Um, should we move on to the reason that we're here? You saving football and... We've asked the listeners to get in touch at home. We put a tweet out and the community tab, which was absolutely barnstorming. What did we need to save from football after this weekend? And can I kick us off with one, Mark, from All Sports 585 Got to have a few numbers in the username. He says, players getting all the praise when the team plays well, but it's the manager's fault when the team underperforms. Uh, yeah, it's a good one. It's not one. It's not one that I've not heard before. So he's not getting points for authenticity or uh, uh, uniqueness, but it's still a good one. And I think that um, it's just it's just the way it works, isn't it? Uh, uh, most of the time, a team does well, and we're praising the players. Uh, what I did like, I mean, just to be a little bit topical, is the fact that Eddie Howe at Newcastle does seem to get a hell of a lot of uh, uh, praise for what he's doing there. And obviously, that was a big win for them, but more importantly, a big season for them last year. Um, I think Pep Pep Guardiola is probably somebody that supersedes it. I think I think he, you know, he's, he's very much makes it all about him. Um, I think if yeah, but there's plenty of managers that you know, if it goes wrong, they get the blame, and if it goes well. They don't really get much attention. I think you've got to be an ego at the end of the day. I think you've got to be a bit of an ego, definitely. Should we move into the big one, though? It's one that you, me and you have been talking about over the weekend. Chelsea players on nine-year contracts. What's that all about? 
Well, I, you know what? There's two sides to this coin because I think um, ultimately, and people might have seen some clips I put up over the weekend, it is very bitter, isn't it? You know, you, you're you're bouncing like a trampoline because Birmingham City might be getting some money in and, and it makes you feel good and, and, and that's great. And I think with... Um, uh, I've just seen another book title. It's made me laugh. I will read that in a minute. But I think with uh, with 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 this Chelsea thing, it's they're not breaking the rules, and but they are completely um, undermining financial fair play and fair play, you know. But ultimately, it's just a loophole in something that wasn't meant to be there. So if people don't understand what happens at home, so Moses Casido has been given a nine-year deal, £111 million, and the way that financial fair play works out is that they're basically paying about £12 million for him because each year they'll just pay £12 million. You you just have it over the term of the contract, and they've done this with countless players. Uh, I think Mudrick was the same, Enzo Fernandez was the same. So basically, you've got to have the money in your pocket. That's that's the thing. Um, anybody could do it, but you've got to have the owners rich enough to do it. So, you know, United aren't going to do this. Spurs aren't going to do this. Most of the Premier League's not going to do this. So Chelsea have got a big wedge of money and they found a way to do it. But it's also bad. In a, I think it's very bad, Will, because nine-year contracts, break your leg, season ender, career ender. You've got another seven years being paid good money at Chelsea. Bad flop. You've got another seven, eight years at Chelsea. So I think it's it's great for Chelsea and it's made them very, very competitive. But I, I really don't want to see it become a regular thing. I really don't. Yeah, well, I think the other side of the coin as well is from the players' perspective. And I'm not in any way saying that Chelsea and Leeds are in the same boat, but with the Leeds mate at the weekend and you had the likes of like Willie Nonto and I think Sinistera was in the, within the same boat of saying that they're not playing for the club anymore even though they're under contract I think Nonto still had four or five years left on that contract and just refusing to play until they get the move I'm not saying that this is going to happen to Chelsea players but there was a huge responsibility when you're putting players under these contracts whereas where you said you don't know what can happen and you've still got a I think it's just been you know like with the Mudrich thing last year it was just to get that over the line wasn't it so it's it's maybe one we're going to have to get used to Mark it, uh, and maybe we can't change it or save it. Well, I think the the problem is it's okay when it's the minority. So it's, it's okay if just Chelsea do it. But if Man City start doing it and Newcastle start doing it and Arsenal start doing it and United start doing it, that is why, for me, it's scandalous. Scandalous, I say, how much Liverpool bid for, Ch- for, for Casido and how much Liv- uh, Chelsea did pay. He is never worth £70 million. And I like the player. I like Casido, but he's never worth £70 He's gone for 110. The reason he's gone for that is because they're spreading it out over 10 years. And what what's next? You know, what what what, what are we going to see next? Evan Ferguson going for 200 million next summer after one and a half good seasons. It is a concern. And but you know, on the other hand, embrace the change. Football is changing all the time, and maybe that's what's going to happen. But I would like to see an end to it. But then. How do you stop it? Like you say, it's it's probably just going to continue to happen. Um, I don't know. Um, one thing I wanted to bring in, Will, just in Goldbridge Saves Football as well, is the, um, I know you'd mentioned this, and it fits nicely into the weekend uh, fixtures with the added time, people leaving early. I mean, is that even a thing anymore? So I, I was at uh, Birmingham City Leeds, guy in front of me, been chatting a little bit through the game, Awful game it was, whistle to whistle. Got to the 86th minute, he went, I'm off now. 
we got a penalty in the 91st minute. The game had been awful, so it all hinged on that. I'm like, and I think this is something we really need to dedicate our time to going forward. It's like going into school. Unless you've got a letter from your doctors where you can't turn up, <laughs> you have to leave at the right time because otherwise it's, it's unacceptable. No, don't let them out unless you're going back to an elderly parent. You have to have a note that has some substance to why you're leaving early because we, this was our first home game or everything that's happened. It was a great day and it ended on an absolute high and he's missing that. And, and he might have a valid reason, but you, you do see it a lot. And even, you know, where do you stand on if your team's getting pumped five or six nil though? Well, we saw that, didn't we, at uh, St. James's Park last season with Spurs players, uh, Spurs fans leaving in the first half. Um I've, I, I don't think we should have uh, Will, a, a, a bunch of Will security guards at every game basically saying to people, look, get back in. Get back in and sit down. You're not going five minutes early. But my wife's just, waters are broken or, or you know, I've got a sick relative. There's a letter. Yeah, prove it. I've, the reception's rubbish. I can't get anything on my phone. Well, sit down then and wait. Uh, I, don't think we, I don't think we can go to that. But I do think that... Um, I, I, you know, I don't get to go to as many games as I used to, but I used to get taken by my dad when I was like, you know, eight, nine, ten, and you'd be sat there at a game and you just see the same people every week just getting up and and leaving like ten minutes early to beat the traffic. And I, you know, even as a kid, you, you probably understand it more, but we understand it as adults as well. It's one-one, you know, or it's two-one, and your team's on the attack, and there's just sort of like this mindset of no, it's the 80th minute. And you, it's the ones who start walking down the steps, but, you know, they walk slowly and keep watching it and get in people's way who actually are going to sit and stay till the end. But I, I don't know. I, I mean, look, I, I would get rid of it unless you've got, a, like you, unless you've got a very good reason and you can't have a very good reason every week. You know, you're just going to beat the traffic or something like that. But with, the, with, with what we've seen over the weekend, Will, you know, we're seeing eight, nine, ten minutes added on. If you're leaving ten minutes early, surely they're going surely they're gonna, they're gonna to wait till the 90th minute before they go now. Well, even with that, though, I mean, we used to take my granddad and, and near the end of his life, I mean, he could barely walk. But even then, I still had to be stubborn with him. I said, no, granddad, I know you want to get home back to the warmth, but you have to stand there because you can't leave. We might get a goal here. It might be the goal of the season, even if it's six now. You have to wait there, granddad, suffer in the cold and watch this beautiful game. It'd be nicer if you didn't send him in a short and T-shirt. Yeah. <laughs> That's ultimately what got him. Uh, I'm going to say football um, on that. I think it needs to stop. And I'm, I'm sure it's going to be very controversial because there's, it happens every Saturday. Well, Sunday, Monday, every game now, doesn't it? But it happens all around. It doesn't matter what game you're at. Um, you know, I was I was watching uh, Seb playing under seven games the other day. There's only about three people watching and one of them left with 10 minutes to go. And stupid thing is, his kid was playing. You know, what's that all about? He drove <laughs> off. You know, it's, it's just, it's in some people's mentality just to go early. But uh, yeah, it's always been something I, I, I don't really understand. Personally, what I do, especially when I'm at United these days, because I'm going to, I know I'm going to be doing a match reaction and stuff anyway, I just sit in. I just sit in my seat for 10 minutes afterwards, you know, have a chat with people. You know, if you can get a bit of reception, look at the other scores. I'd rather let it die down than uh, try and try and beat the rush. I think just finally on that, then maybe, because that's quite a general rule, maybe we should look to build a sort of charter of acceptable excuses. Obviously, you've got ones in there. So um, if you are listening to this, get in touch on Twitter, YouTube community tab. What are acceptable excuses for leaving a football game? All the obvious ones aside, but yeah, let's get a little bit creative. Cool. And uh, have we got any other ones there, Will, or are we going to wait till next week? 
Uh, I just wanted to do one final one, which has come up quite a lot. So this one's coming from Christopher White. He talks about referees never taking accountability. I'll say that again. Refs never taking accountability for poor decisions. So it's, yeah. it's little things that we've seen coming into social media as well, where you see, I think it was down in Australia, where you see the referee mic'd up. Rugby's a prime example. NFL's a prime example where they stop the game to explain their decisions. I think this is something we can all get on the same page on, that we need to be... We don't need interviews from referees that aren't playing anymore that are just going to back up their friend's decision at Stockley Park. We need to be hearing live feeds like we did in the F1, yeah. although they stopped that. And we need to hear why these decisions are happening because even at the weekend with the Chelsea one still debatable whether that was a pen to me it felt like a pen I know the rules are the rules but it'd just be nice to understand the sort of workings out from the referee yeah 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 I mean I'm I'm with you on this one because I thought it was a stonewall penalty for Liverpool which is not a word or sentence I would normally construct being a Manchester United fan but I always always look at it and go I always look at it pragmatically and go, if that was United, would I want a penalty? And I was convinced it was a penalty. And then I think it was Ben Foster said to me, it flips off Diaz just before. So that's why it's not a penalty in his eyes. And I'm like, well, I get that. Still think it's a penalty. But if you had somebody coming out explaining that, that might not be the reason. What what I'm saying is there is no trust in the way the referees work that maybe... We, we find reasons ourselves because they don't give us a reason. And I'm sure this is going to show up a lot of times in the section that, that we're, where we're fed by you about saving football from its own um, issues and problems. But I said this last week, VAR is not solved. We're now talking about added time and time wasting where they're adding on a minute because of the VAR review, which I think is ridiculous because that's not time-wasting. And Trent Alexander-Arnold got booked for time-wasting yesterday in a game where neither Chelsea or Liverpool were time-wasting. It's bloody ridiculous. But we've had a weekend where uh, handball was given in the Brighton game uh, and then it wasn't given against Tarkovsky in the Everton game where the ball is basically hitting the hand in the same way. That, to me, is disgusting, and, and, and it's still not been fixed. And Howard Webb's there, smiling again. I'm not going to put up with his smiling. I'm, we had this last week as well. And he's smiling away because he's got some new ideas, but he hasn't solved his other problems. And with regards to this inconsistency, it's absolutely easy to solve. And we will solve football on this because they've got a rule book. And whilst it's understandable for a referee on the pitch at Goodison Park and at Brighton to have a different idea because they're under the pressure and tension of a game there's a Pratt in Stanley Park who isn't in that pressure who's got a rule book and they should both understand what whether it's a penalty or it's not a penalty and that consistency already on the opening game of the weekend is it's unfathomable unfathomable I'm struggling with words now as to why we can't get consistency and that is the word that needs solving in football I just don't. I think one saving thing that we could add to the mix is finding, locating an ex-player that we can send into Stockley Park just to give it a bit more common sense in there. Because there's so much money in football now with these referees being full-time and professional that, well, one they should be able to do it anyway, but they're incapable of doing it. But do you not think on? Don't, you don't, sorry, do you not think on. on that though? You mentioned the word ex-player and common sense. I mean, would you be comfortable to see Gabby or um, you know? Some, some, some of the others in Stanley Park. Maybe get Gazza in, you know, he'll turn up with, uh, you know, well, God knows what he'd turn up with. But yeah, I mean, I, I do think the obsession with the ex-player brigade, I've played the game. I, I think that there are some out there that I would listen to, but, you know, the great fun about... We fo- can choose them though. 
Yeah, but the great thing about football is that, you know, football fan opinion and things like this have, have grown so massively because we are consumers of the of the game and we love the game. And, you know, over the last few years, you've seen that, that the fans are getting bigger voices, which is great. Um, but, you know, I think there's this over ex-players, ex-players, ex-players. Consistency, just bloody intelligent people in positions of power. Like if I was Howard Webb, I would be pulling them in from Stanley Park and saying, how have you got this wrong? How have you... Stockley Park. Stockley Park, Stanley Park, whatever it is. I would give it to... I would just sit them down and go, why? But this happened last year. You get one decision in one game on the same weekends where it's a red card and one where it isn't. And I'm like, that is so easy to solve. That's just pure competence, I think. There we go. I love this section of the podcast. So thanks everyone who's been getting your questions in. Will Brazier got Mulbridge back on the ones and twos from the future. Just a little insert here to say that this was recorded before the season started, so it sounds a little bit different, but we didn't want weekend bias to cloud our judgment. Over to you, Father. OK, Goldbridge saves football. This one has been on my head since last week. Most underrated player in the Premier League right now. I'm saying Mo Salah. So I think with this one, we're putting a stake in the ground and saying this player is the most underrated player in the Premier League. He's been disrespected far too long. Yeah. To do that, I think we need to go for the options, Mark. Got any? Well, what options you got? I'm going to start with Martin Odegaard. Yes, it's a good call. It's a good point. Thank you. That's why I'm pointing at you. People who are on audio, I'm pointing. Because it is a good point. I think Martin Odegaard is... Well, he's, well look, I mean, he was a, a, a teenage starlet... Yeah, uh, it's nice to see those players actually carry on, isn't it? Because yeah. prime example of that, Freddie Adu dropped off a cliff. That was the one I was going to say. Sorry, mate, I jumped in. We'll get this. There's plenty more. Yeah, Rab- there is. Morrison. Uh, yeah, another good one. But I think with Odegaard, just to see him kick off. Even Wayne he... Rooney, what did he do? Yeah, all right, we covered that off. When he came in at the first bit, it was like, when he, when he came in at Arsenal, it was very much like, yeah. hopefully he kicks on. And then obviously last season, it was just absolutely fantastic. And the fact that he's the captain as well. Yeah. Leadership. Um, and I don't think people would give him the credit for that. But no, I'm a massive fan of Odegaard. I, I quite like that one. Um, Are the ones we've got uh, recently signed for Manchester City, Kovacic? Oh, I mean, look, I think basically on your Wikipedia page, if you're a Chelsea player of last year, just delete it. We'd all let it happen because there's so many good players at Chelsea who had bad years last year. And Kovacic was always the player at Chelsea. You know, when you go, you're watching a game, who would you sign for your club? Yeah. It was always that. And the fact that Pep's bought him, I mean, it's a pretty, pretty obvious he's a good player. And for a good very good fee as well. And he's always been underrated. He was underrated before he went around Madrid. I thought he was a good player. And it, it, even with that, I think we would have said Ilkay Gundogan, but he's obviously just gone off the... Gundogan. Gundogan. He's yeah. gone off the Barcelona, but he was sort of really in that category, wasn't he? And he was like, he would get to the last third of the season. He'd always have a, a third of a season where he was like, oh, yeah. I am prime. I've got another one, Thiago Silva. Wow. Under, underrated? Overrated. Underrated. Underrated. Yeah. I really, think, I think I think he's I think Thiago Silva's underrated. I think well, he's he's very much in this fine wine stage of his career now. No, but he? like that's what I mean. Uh, what is he? Must be forty nine. What? So you're saying he's underrated even for this stage of his well, career? I just, I just think I think actually he's one of the players at Chelsea last season who I would have had him in contender for Player of the Year in the Premier League. But because you're in a crap team, you don't get credit for it. He's I, I mean I never thought I thought I thought he was retiring at PSG and then he comes to Chelsea. And, he, and he's been brilliant, absolutely brilliant in a very tough league. I think he's underrated as well. One that came out and stood out was obviously there's a lot of focus on top six teams, but one that we've both discussed privately is Wilfred Zaha. Yeah, yeah. That yeah. Man United move 
was awful. Mm. Lots of reasons why that ended. Um, going Nothing back, to do with managers' relationships with their... The, yeah, anyway. I think if you say allegedly, you can get... Allegedly, nothing. Um, Crystal Palace, there has been talk every summer that he's going to make a move to the top six. He's gone to Turkey now, I believe. Um, I would have liked to see him stay. Uh, there were links with it's PSG. It's to the Premier League. Yeah, but do, uh, but do you think he could have gone back into that top six sort of... I think I think I think I, I think that over recent years there was times where I thought he might go a Chelsea or an Arsenal, and I think it would have been interesting to see him there. But I think he's almost in that Matt Letizia mold if you're old enough. Where what, uh, which way we go? Not the not the controversial view. tweets. Okay, right. Not the controversial tweets. No, I mean Matt Letizia was a player if you're old enough that Southampton was actually a good footballer before he was a bad tweeter, and he, um, he, he you know it was amazing that he stayed at Southampton. Some of the goals he he, was, he almost won goal of the season every year, and I think Zahar sort of got into that category of being a player that stayed at a, a lower club with all due respect to Palace that what could he have done at a bigger club so yeah but he doesn't play in the Premier League anymore so we're not including him I think uh, we need to just thinking aloud we need to do a video of um, Premier League players that are playing now that could turn into the next Matt Letizia obviously Ricky Lambert has just come out and said that you can talk nicely to water so maybe we can do a top 10 around that yeah, who's going to go down that road yeah um, one I want to throw in the mix this would come under the bracket of curveball um, very underrated and still chopping it up Danny Welbeck. I, I would have that. Would you? I, I'd, I'd take Danny Welbeck at Manchester United. We need sort of that bench striker that can come in and do a job. And I think, look, if you're doing a job for Brighton, you're doing a job. Like, you know, at the end of the day, he's 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 he's, he's had a really good season for Brighton. Injuries. He was at Man United. I mean, he'll always be remembered as for Man United fans for running through one-on-one against Bayern Munich and trying to chip Manuel Neuer and actually just passing it back to him. But... Honest, hardworking player who I think if he hadn't had the injuries would have gone even better. But the fact that he's at Brighton, I mean, look, does Irby not going to use a player like that unless he's got something about him? It's a good one. But no, look, my, my, my choice would be Mo Salah, as I said at the start. And the reason for this is because I don't know whether it's because he's not born in Brazil or France, but the reality is, I mean, his I would have him probably as Premier League top scorer this season without Haaland in it. Is that uh, with Kane in the league as well? I think he can push Kane considering Liverpool had a bad season last year. I mean, Kane is fantastic. But look, Kane, Kane's a good point. Harry Kane gets the credit he deserves. I don't think Mo Salah does. And I don't know, I don't know why that is. I think it, for me, he's consistently been one of the best players in the Premier League, consistently been in the top five players in the world. And there is just something about Mo Salah. And it happens with other players as well. I mean, look, I know Son had a bad year last year, but you could say the same about Son. Is it because he's not from a traditionally world-beating... And look, if you're English, you're laughing. You'll get overhyped. But um, yeah, I, I just think Mo Salah, if he was Brazilian, they'd, they'd talk about him in a different way. And I think that's... Look, look, if he was Bulgarian, if he was Australian, it would be the same. I'm not saying it's because it's Egypt or, uh, or, or any other country, but I just think that he is massively underrated. And, and I think when I'm saying that as a Man United fan, I don't want to give him any credit, but I think his consistency, his fitness, he doesn't get mentioned in the top five players in the world enough for me. Well, and you look back at the amount of times he scored over 30 goals, yeah, which now because we've got and he's Haaland. a winger. Yeah, and because we've got Haaland in the league now, that maybe puts a downer on that as well. But the fact he's doing that, like to score that many goals, and some of these Liverpool teams have been great, but even last season he still got to that total. So 
I just think, and you look at the way he came in, obviously at his time at Chelsea, even at Roma, he did good, but not great. And then the trajectory he's been at Liverpool has just been absolutely phenomenal and still doing it and probably doing it for the next two to three seasons. Yeah, so there you go. Mo Salah, absolutely. Goldbridge saves football. I'm going to go Mo Salah. Okay, we've done a definitive on who is the most underrated player in the Premier League. We're now going to go with who is the most overrated Premier League player. I have a few candidates. I'm going to throw straight away a couple of my favourites for this. Ruben Diaz and James Madison. Ooh, controversial, Will. Yeah, but you were just talking up Ruben Diaz in the first podcast we did. No, but I think he's overrated. You can. I think people get lost on this. You can be a good player, but you can be ridiculously overhyped. Like, if you look at some... English players like I think that look for example I think Declan Rice is brilliant I think he's a brilliant player but it's almost like he's perceived to be one of the best players in the world in his position he's not there yet he's overhyped this happens a lot you know Jude Bellingham is he one of the best midfielders in the world well yes. we're about to find out this season because that's what you do you go and play for Real Madrid yeah but surely he is already that player potentially. that's why he's been taken to Real Madrid potentially yes but I just he, get very protective of Jude Bellingham that's all I'm know, saying but I think if you say somebody's overrated it doesn't automatically mean they're crap like you could be a you could be a, a James Madison who gets spoken like your next Steven Gerrard well that's overrated because you're not yeah, but that, that even that's mixed though. I think. Well, do you want to do you want to start with James Madison? Yeah, I don't think. Look, I I was there, I and mean, this is a great point because I was there saying that when the World Cup happened last year, Southgate's got to take Madison. He was banging form. He was one of the best attacking midfielders in the country at the time. But is he one of the best attacking midfielders in the country? Yes. No, not for me. Yeah, but he's, in he, the Premier League, he, his numbers are up there, and even in that Leicester side last season, he was still performing. I think he could have done more. Really? Yeah, I don't. I don't think. Look, you know, yeah, there's a lot going wrong at Leicester to let, the, put that at the door of James Madison. The problem with the modern game is that we didn't used to get. <laughs> I played the game. I played the game. The problem is that in back in my day, you used to get these players that played like. I mean, I'm just going to chuck names out like Mark Draper, Jeremy Goss, Rob Lee. Jeremy Goss has got a mention on two back-to-back podcasts. He's sponsoring the show. <laughs> um, there was, you know. Matt Letitia, players like that, yeah. these players were good players at lesser clubs. Seb Larsons. Th th well, this is it. Exactly. He's absolutely perfect. There was a lot of these players that played at the level they were and were very, very... James Ward-Prowse, Southampton. He's perfect. He's a good player at the level he is, but he's never good enough to play for Arsenal, Man United, Chelsea. He's not a first-team player for them, and that's where I put Madison. I think Madison is perfect for Spurs. He's a good player, but... We've we've had it with Madison that he's good enough to play for United. He's not he's not better than Odegaard. He's not better than Bruno. He's not better than De Bruyne, and he's not good enough to play for Liverpool. Yeah, but he has got a chance to but showcase like that in a sort of top six-ish side. Yeah, and I think that's his level. He's not a bad player. I just think he gets overrated a bit. And as for Ruben Diaz, that was my second choice. Yeah, potentially, unless well, we know we've got some more to come in. Mm. I don't think Ruben Diaz is as good. People he had he had one and a half good seasons for Man City, and then he's been good. But people talk about him like he's one of the best centre-backs in the world. I don't think he's in the top five centre-backs in the world. And, I, and people won't like that, but I don't. I don't think he's the best centre-back at Man City. One that just sprang into my mind while we were chatting about, and sort of in that James Madison bracket, is um, Yuri Tillemans. Oh. Where I thought, because there was a lot of rumour obviously going on a free, and he's ended up at Aston Villa, which, you know, I've obviously got like, the Birmingham City fan, my allegiances to to the, the blue side of Birmingham. But I thought he would have kicked on to at least a sort of Tottenham level, especially going as a free agent. But appalling at Leicester last season as well. I watched a few games and he was absolutely dreadful. And I think that 
you know, that it's no, look, it's again, it's a bit similar to Madison, both formerly of Leicester, both had a bad season and yeah, a few Chelsea players were like that as well. But I think that he is at a club now, Aston Villa, that is expected to do well. So maybe he bounces back, but he Bounce. was a player that was, you know, people were talking about Bayern Munich and Manchester United and he's ended up at Aston Villa and, you know, again, probably a little bit overrated. Um, Another one we got down here, Jack Grealish. Now, a lot of this comes up, and I think unfairly because of two words, English tax, because there's a lot of pressure on him as a personality away from football where there's just more eyes on him for one reason or another. But last season, I think he showed, he's sort of in the, I think he's in the bracket between overrated and underrated at the moment. I don't think you can put a label on him. Yeah, I'd agree on that. I think with Grealish, the first season, he wasn't playing much. The second season was the big season. And I think with trans, I mean, some, some people could say Darwin Nunez in this and I would never throw him in there because he's only had one season. I think it's always about season two and Grealish showed in season two what he's all about. It's like Game of Thrones. I thought first season was good, but second season was better, breaking bad. And I think Jack Grealish did that in second season. And also, I'll never move away from the fact that Jack Grealish at Aston Villa was unbelievable. And everyone knew he was the danger man and he still delivered. So, yeah, I, don't, I wouldn't put Grealish in there. You could potentially put a Martinelli. I'm thinking about Arsenal. Um, maybe Martinelli's a bit overrated as a name. Um, I can't think of anybody. Gabriel sure Jesus. I um, think there's a lot of eyes on him as sort of yeah. a real catalyst for Arsenal. And in, but obviously, he's had injury problems, but I do think you tie that into it because, you know, that's part of the game. Martinelli had a good season for Arsenal last year, but I think that the way I look at Arsenal he'd be a player that if I had 100 million, I'd go and replace. I wouldn't replace Saka. I don't know whether I'd re- no. replace Jesus. Um, I can't think... I, I'm sure you've got someone. I can't think of anyone yeah, from no, Manchester I've, United. I've, well, I've I've got down here... This is just the list that was given to me, but I've got down on here Bruno Fernandes, maybe Marcus oh, Rashford. God's out. No? Uh, no, the Marcus Rashford, one I can, I can understand because Rashford is a... I but, love Rashford. Yeah. He's a bit of a... He go, his game does, he's, there's not a consistency to no. Rashford um, yet. Maybe there still will be. He's only in his mid-twenties. But like he, he can be, like, like I said last season, there was a period of time where you, you sort of look at him and go, he could, he could be a Ballon d'Or contender. Yeah. And people laugh, but he has those moments. But then they laugh because they'll have moments where he doesn't look like a Ballon d'Or contender. So... I, I, get, I get it with Rashford, but he, I mean, when, if he can find that consistency, I think he's... he's I think that's what it player. is, because for me, as, a, as an outsider, it's almost like he's either a nine out of 10, but then it, there's no in-between. There's no, not really many sevens in there. Sometimes it can go down to a five, six. I'll tell you who I think is overrated. Go on. Dan Byrne. Dan Byrne. I will have to really disagree strongly on that. Well, the fact that we, we, when we did that Premier League team of the season and Ben Foster wanted to put him at left back, I mean, look, he's, he's, I think he's done well with the tools he's got, but he... <laughs> I, I don't I don't think he, I'm especially sorry especially as a left back an attacking lanky left back is all I've ever been after in my life and to see that man you know take Newcastle to a cup final with you remember that goal he scored when he curled one in from, from nearly outside of the box his dancing alone should put him up in the top bracket I think Dan Byrne severely underrated could go to Madrid in my opinion he should have um, that'd be, that would be that would make life complete wouldn't it that would yeah. be absolutely brilliant um no, no, no. So look, I mean, where are we going to go with this? Well, I think you need to put a nail in the coffin, Mark. This is Mark Goldbridge saves football. You need to save us from having this conversation ever again. This is one of the hardest ones we've done so far, but we're here to save football. Um, I will go with on this. Oh, I'm going to get some critics. I'm going to go with... It's not like you. I'm going to go Ruben Diaz. Wow. I think he's 
overrated in the sense that he's a very good centre-back, but he gets held up as one of the world's best centre-backs, and I don't think he is. It's time for another regular section, and uh, we have changed it a little bit. It's time for Hangman, Football Hangman. So last week, I tried to get it in six clues. So basically, um, I'd say, is he playing in the Premier League? And Will would say, yes, and that's and then I take a guess, and I get six guesses. We've decided to change it towards a cat uh, philosophy here. Um, we're going to use nine lives on Will. Uh, even though I had it with six last week, we're, we're going to try nine. Um, we're messing around with the lives here. And uh, this was a topic of conversation um, last week uh, for those who listen to the podcast about how many lives. So we're going to try. We went with six. We're going to try nine. I've got a player in mind. Will, it's your turn this week. Um, let's play Football Hangman. Does he currently play in the Premier League? Yes. Mo Salah? No. Life too. Does he play does he play for a side that are gonna play in the Champions League this year? Yes. Good start this will. You've only whittled it, it down to about 150. <laughs> Is it Kieran Trippier? No. Does he play for Arsenal? No. Is it Rodri? No. So you've had three lives. Does he play for Manchester City? No. Four lives. Is it? You may as well have a guess, yeah. Uh, is it Diego Dallo? No. Does he play for Manchester United? No. Is it Joe Linton? No. That's five gone. Still got four to go. I think you need to stop guessing clubs. Although you might, you might, you know, you place for New, you place for Newcastle, surely. Yes. So, um, so is it <laughs> Dan Byrne? No, that's number six. Oh, I thought it. Was. <laughs> uh, do, uh, is he a striker? Yes. Callum Wilson. No. That's like that's life seven. <laughs> Is it Alexander Isak? Yes. Yeah. So he did it. He did it in eight. He did it in eight. That's one nil to me then. Well, I, I, I don't. I, I don't think we're counting mine from last week because that was six lives. What are you saying? That was a trial run. That was a trial. I mean, uh, I think we keep it at nine lives because of cats. Simply, I'm just going to go feline. But um, eight lives are. You did get it in eight. So, but Will, that congratulations, well done. How does it Thank feel to much. wing football hangman? Yeah, well, you know my pedigree with quizzes, obviously stuffing you on the fill-in each week and, and winning that. I think it was inevitable for me to, to pick up my first victory and I'm looking forward to going into the rest of the season and uh, hopefully get up near the top two spots because there's only two of us playing it currently. Uh, another book title, How to Win, uh, this is from Arco, How to Win the Treble with 115 Charges. By Man City. A bit long for me. I probably won't yeah. that up. You, you should have just got a guide to financial fair play by Manchester City, a book that will never get written. That, 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 that's not my words. That's the words of Arco. I've got one, uh, Shy and Retiring by Mike Dean. Yeah, yeah, definitely. And um, Silence, Peace and Appreciation by Mario Balotelli. That's from Julian. Uh, the, uh, you've, you've done well. I, I've got to say you've done well. But I think we've done well as well. Episode two is... Never easy after a very, very strong start, but uh, we're here every week, hopefully, 
and uh, I hope everybody at home has enjoyed it. All I'd say is keep remembering to leave us your five star reviews if you think we deserve it, and and some reviews as well, and tell your tell your friends. And uh, Will, um, well done this week. Thank you. Better than expected, hopefully. Hopefully, it's not like the Kooks second album. I really like the Kooks, and then Conk I liked, but you know, it wasn't great. So hopefully, we can put in a Mercury Prize nominated podcast. Yeah, we'll see. We'll see. I, I, I think that if last week was definitely maybe, this is definitely what's the story, Morning Glory. If you know, you know. Um, loved it. Thanks, everyone. We can't do it without your interaction, actually. You, you add so much to the show for us to, to work off. So really, really appreciate that. Um, thank you, Will. Thanks for another good episode. Thank you, Mark. I'll see you soon, probably in the flesh. Great stuff. And that was Goldbridge Saves Football Episode 2. Thanks for listening, and we'll see you next week.